so I wanted to share a few couple items that I thought were kind of funny, made me chuckle this week before we turn to the word. So here they are. That's the message title this time. Okay, since this storm started, my husband hasn't stopped looking through the window. If it gets any worse, I'll have to let him in. (laughs) My problem is I want to follow Jesus and slap people too. There is absolutely no reason for a child this age to have a cell phone. Okay, can we have that message title one up again? Turn your prison into a prison. Some of you actually have done jail time. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. (laughs) But what we're talking about is not just a literal prison. Although someone not last night afterwards said, is this a prophecy that some of us are going to end up in prison? <laughs> but symbolically, anything that confines, anything in our lives that constrict, anything in our lives that disappoint, discourage, stop us, anything in our lives that stop us, that feels like it's stopping us from really moving forward in our destiny, in our life in Jesus, Something that's in the way. That's what we're using prison as a metaphor for, as a symbol of. So, my first of three talking points in your personal Jesus journey, don't be shocked or surprised if from time to time you get thrown into a prison. Don't be shocked or surprised. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul's first prison experience in Acts chapter 16 of four that we know from the Bible. But sometimes I hear people say, why? Why did this happen to me when I'm really trying to follow God? I'm really trying to do what Jesus wants me to do, and then I get hit with this. What in the world? Listen, God's not punishing you. God didn't even bring that to you, that situation to you. He didn't do it. He's the one that's going to help you in it. In the course of human life, you don't, have to, you don't have to be here too long before you realize that there's lots in life that makes us laugh and celebrate. But there are, from time to time, difficult things, aren't there? Sometimes hugely difficult. And sometimes prisons can be smaller annoyances, can't they? I suspect that most of us are carrying maybe four or five things that we could write right now if I was to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you and ask you, tell me four or five things right now that you would describe as sort of a disappointment or a present thing that you'd like to see different in your life to move forward with great joy. Okay, I bet, I bet most of you could come up with that. Do you agree? Yeah? So don't think it's strange. I'm not saying... Uh, As I saw in that bumper sticker once, life is hard and then you die. 
This is not a depressing thing. There's really good news here coming. But I want to just start by saying, you know, it's not unusual. In fact, just to establish it with some anchor points, 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials. Jesus in John 16, In the world I prophesy to you, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But you'll have them. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. James. Psalms. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But the afflictions hit. Here it comes. So just get comfortable with the idea that there are some surprises. It's not quite this bad, but sometimes it might seem that way. This quote, adulthood is like looking both ways. Adulthood is like looking both ways before you cross the street, being real careful, and then getting hit by an airplane. <laughs> yeah. The Apostle Paul and his friend Silas, on their second missionary journey, hit a few minor prisons before the big, big one. They try to... In their seeking God, where to go, they try to go into Asia. Wow, Spirit of Jesus is saying no as we try to get across the border. Let's go up to Bithynia. Head up into the province of Bithynia. That must be his will. As they're seeking and praying for God's will. Nope, this isn't it, it. Can't do this. Already gone east. Let's go west. Hit Troas. Spend the night. Local bed and breakfast. Paul has a dream, a man from Macedonia in his dream. Come on over to, come on over and help us, help us. And Paul and Silas see that as a something from God, and they're encouraged. They sail over to Philippi, Roman colony, and no synagogues, and it's a retirement colony. But there is a ladies' prayer meeting down by the river. Let's preach there. Preach to the ladies. Several of them get good saved. Exciting. And then something really crazy happens. A slave girl starts following them around, saying, these are servants of the Most High God who will show you the way of salvation. That's good theology. But then she keeps it up. These are servants of the Most High God who show you the way of salvation. These are servants of the Most High God who show you the way of salvation. These are servants of the Most High God. Now, some of you are already getting irritated with my uh, four, 40, 40 seconds. This went on for several days. And uh, Paul is patient in the anointing of the Spirit, but finally he looks at her and says, Come out of her. He realizes it is of demonic origin to distract from the gospel message. Her owner gets kind of mad and stirs up things, and let's read the scripture from there. Acts 16, verse 20. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Notice that that is a huge lie, and the enemy will always stir up things with lies. 
lies all the time. They're being persecuted for something that's not even true. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Painful experience. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And I'm wondering if at that time, David preached so well the other day on uh, the prophetic, sometimes superlative prophetic words that seem like, you know, way beyond and uh, how, to, how to respond to the prophetic. Well, Paul had a prophetic word early on that said, you will s- suffer much for me. <laughs> I'd like to carry that one around. Anyway, I can't help but think that he's thinking, okay, here we go. That's, this is one of the fulfillments of that. Not unusual. Just the very simple, simple observation We must get past the notion that it's weird or we did something wrong or God doesn't really love us. Whatever we might think temptation-wise, the enemy will throw lies at us along with the, uh, the difficulty we may be facing, that we're facing. It's not unusual. It's okay. It's okay. And it's gonna be really okay in a moment. Hang on. So... In our personal Jesus journey, do not be shocked or surprised if from time to time you get thrown into a prison, great or small. Second point, while you contend in prayer for a solution, don't we do that? The most common prayer among the saints, help, right? We know we're to contend and that makes a difference. We contend, we pray and we pray and we pray for God to give breakthrough and deliverance and help for the prisons, to be free from the prisons of ourselves or our loved ones, people care about. But while we are contending in prayer for for an answer that is a solution to the whole thing, a prison break, I want to note that the, the next thing that we're to do before God is to ask God for a word from him about a ha- how to handle the present prison challenge. So, God, I know you're going to deliver ultimately, and I, I pray you'll do it today, but could you give me a word right now to handle it in the present tense of my life? Give me a word. And God will always faithfully, my sheep hear my voice. You don't have to call your local prophet to see. God has a word for you. You can ask him directly, and a still, small voice will come forth. Still, small voice, and you can write it down. I love to actually write down uh, what are like prison-type experiences, four or five, and then I I ask God, okay, what about this one? And then I write down what he gives me, and then I pray over it, bless that, and it's amazing how it, it stays with you through your day whenever your mind gravitates back to that prison dynamic. So here's what happened. Acts 16, verse 25 on the screen, please. But at midnight, and I think it's midnight, I think that they're not sleeping because of the pain. You ever had so much pain you couldn't sleep? I think that's what we've got going on here. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And I think one of their things they were praying was, God, 
get us out of here. Remember what you did for Peter back in the day when he was in prison? He prayed. God gave him a word. Go ahead and take a nap. You're going to be okay. Peter goes to sleep in prison, and the angel comes and delivers him. Paul's, that's testimony of Jesus' spirit prophecy. God, do it again. But they're, as they're praying, they get a different word than the word given to Peter. They didn't get the word go to sleep. They got the word rejoice and sing. And I don't know, Paul may have argued and said, well, you know, like Silas and me, we're not that good as singers. You know, I guess we could make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So together they start singing hymns of praise and psalm. This is what God told them. That was the word that they got. And that was the appropriate thing to do in the present tense dynamic of their prison. They worshiped. Peter got the word sleep when he was in prison. Joseph, in in the end of Genesis, he got the word stay faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful. John Bunyan, when he was in prison in uh, 17th century England for preaching on the street, 12 years in prison, he got the word right, and the world was blessed with Pilgrim's Progress. Chuck Colson, way back in 1973, Watergate, Nixon's hatchet man, got saved in prison. What do I do now, Jesus? I got to serve time. Start a prison ministry. And it became huge globally. Little boy Samuel, remember little boy Samuel, first Samuel? He was just recently weaned. I know this this is a little painful. Recently weaned, four, maybe at the most five years old. Leaves, has to leave mom and dad and live in the church with the pastor and his two grown sons that were, were horribly mean to people. What word did little boy get? This is even child, kids can do this. Minister to the Lord was the word he got. Four different times in that, in one or two chapters of 1 Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. The boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. Over and over again, it says that. That was the word he got in this prison of losing his mom and his dad. Suddenly, ripped out of the home, thrust into foster care. With no... That had to be painful, a painful prison, huh? Right? And he got the word minister. And we know what happened as a result of that. God came close to him. God comforted him. God spoke to him. And God used him. So that every word he spoke said... Not one word of Samuel fell to the ground. It all hit the heart throughout Israel. He prophesied and was a prophet of Israel for, for, through his whole life. I don't think God wanted that to happen. Hannah's deal with God, his mother, saying, if you give me a child, I'm barren, but if you give me a child, I promise I'll give him to you. I think God in his mercy gave her a child because of his mercy not because she made a deal with him and he wanted a kid to serve him. But God, out of Samuel's prison, got something amazingly incredible. But it started with a word in the moment, in the present tense reality of his life. Speak to me. I'll do it in the now. I'll do something now. I will not retreat into depression. I will not retreat into hopelessness. I will not default into unbelief and bitterness and anger. I will hear God's voice 
And with God's voice always comes God's presence. And with God's presence always comes um, atmosphere changing in your inner world and wherever you are of peace. The emotion of peace that's in heaven suddenly envelops you, envelops me. When we get a word from God and we declare it and we obey it, they, the Acts says, the book of Acts says, they that obey God um, are given the Holy Spirit. And that's not, I mean, we know it's grace-based to receive the Spirit, but have you ever noticed that every time you obey God, when the Spirit prompts you to do or say something, there's an increase in anointing on your present experience? That's what it's referring to. We, we get the Spirit by grace, total gift. But when we walk in the Spirit, we find ourselves experiencing deeper levels of supernatural um, waves of heaven <laughs> over us. So I want to quote from Jerry Cook because he says it so well. Find an answer when you cannot find a solution. We tend to think of answers as solutions, but we need to separate the two. Sometimes there are no immediate solutions, but God will always give us the answer we need to go on. He will always give us the answer we need to go on. Always. Here are some examples of prison-type prayers. Just a few samplings. Dear God, how can I best relate to my fear of losing this person? Dear God, how can I best relate to this obvious spiritual danger? Dear God, how can I truly best help this person? Dear God, how do I best handle this huge disappointment. He'll give you a word of wisdom. He'll give you his voice. Write it down. Declare it. Go for it in the moment. Everybody happy? Okay. So in your personal Jesus journey, don't be shocked or surprised about a prison, getting thrown into a prison, big or small. Secondly, while you contend in prayer for a solution to your personal prison challenge, ask God for a word from him about how to handle the present, the present prison challenge. And my last talking point, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, for God to turn your prison into a prism. For his light and his glory to shine through. God wants to turn your prison, big or small, into a prism for you to experience his supernatural, heavenly, radiant light. And then to shine through you a diverse rainbow of joy and blessing and Jesus, supernatural Jesus ministry and life to other people. All because of your prison. God did not send your prison. But God is a miracle-working God that will turn your prison into a prism. I'm not trying just to be clever by saying that, although I think it is pretty clever. <laughs> it's so true. I've, you see it in the Bible over and over. You see it in life over and over. 
fact, the Apostle Paul later refers after he has had three prison experiences, of which this is the first, he says, from prison, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, my friends, you know that it's Christ within you, the hope of glory, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ dwells in our hearts by, by faith, but it's also true that he's not only fully in us, Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is within us, that's our connectedness to him, but also we are in him. It's one of the most common, dozens and dozens of times in the theology of the New Testament, we are in Jesus Christ. In us is Jesus, and we are in him. You're a prisoner of him. That's your a priori, priority, default relationship, reality. This is where you truly are. It's in him. You can benefit from it to the degree you connect with it in your heart and your mind in simple childlike faith. That will be the degree you benefit from it. But the presence of Jesus Christ affects your presence and my presence. But it also, in realizing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is stubbornly, happily, relentlessly determined to infiltrate every generation globally with his presence, his miracles, his power, his kindness, his love, his salvation. He's just scattering miracles everywhere, and he's doing it in partnership with you and me. We get to be in prison in Christ and get to do even greater works, the Bible says, than what he did because he is working through us. It's still him that does it. We don't do miracles independent of King Jesus. He is the supreme God, the supreme Lord. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and it's our connectedness to him. We are hitching our lives as a trailer to him, <laughs> and he's pulling us around wherever he goes, and we get to participate in all that he does. And there's such happiness in that, isn't there? We have the joy of the Lord, and we get to appreciate and enjoy that. So John Wimber uh, was asking talking to God, complaining to God about things weren't going so well in his ministry. And, and he felt like God said to him, John, you know, I'm really getting kind of tired of your ministry. What I would really like to do is to show you something of my ministry. And it's so real to us that it's still our ministry, but it's his ministry and our ministry together. It's so wonderful, isn't it? Whatever he leads us to do and be. So what happens with Paul and Silas? What was the Jesus ministry that happened? What was the, the great thing? The wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. God is going to turn your prison into a prism experience. Here's what it is. Verse 25. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Something symbolic about that, isn't there? And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He had his own little prison moment going, wasn't he? But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, we're all here. So he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Jesus. Sorry, well, just before Jesus, but before Saul, before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Wonderful verse. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. They were liberated out of their prisons, weren't they? Whatever they were in bondage to. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Praise God. I'd like to conclude with just a few prison stories to, that I have found encouraging. There was a lady that had a prison yesterday of blindness in one eye. In our Super Soul Winning Saturday, the evangelist Bob Oxford and team prayed, laid hands and prayed for her. And her testimony is that that eye, which had been 100% blind, became 100% whole and she could see. Prison. Prison. Prison break. I remember some years ago talking to a lady on the phone. just came up on my news feed as a memory, Facebook. I remember thinking, how am I going to help this lady? How, Jesus, how can I? And I just got a little whisper. Ask her about forgiveness. Talking to this lady on the phone, that new convert, newly saved. And so I said, can we just pause for a moment and let's ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's anybody that you need to forgive? We waited in silence for a moment. Then I said, do you have any names? She said, I have four. Four people to forgive. So I led her in a line-by-line prayer, declaring forgiveness for these four people. And I asked her, how are you doing afterwards? How are you feeling? What's going on? She said something I'll never forget. She said, it feels like I have more room. She was confined. She was in prison for her resentments and her hurts. Jesus freed her. I have more room. Now I have to, I'm running out of time, so I have to choose which ones to share. I'll share this one. Our leadership team at Hawkinson Community Church, I was 21 year, years old. And our leadership team, our elders, felt of God to start a Christian school. And so we had an information meeting for all the parents. We were all excited to share with the parents our vision for starting a Christian school. And so we got a date, we got the time, we got literature all set up, got all prayed up, and we got there. Only we hit a prison experience because... Not only were there not 
very many that showed up. There was none. Zero. Zero parents showed up. That made the prison experience even worse for us as leaders. So we sought God, and the lead pastor, John Lancaster, he said, well, I feel in God that we're to go with what we've got. And I thought to myself at the time, we've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, the net result of that was a Christian school that had between 50 and 100 students for 25 years. Got a word? God did something with it. (laughs) One more. So I'm teaching sixth grade at Clark County Christian School in Vancouver, Washington. I've almost entirely done with seminary work after having taught for four years before that. But I wanted to be a pastor. But every place I tried, there was like, like Bithynia, no. Asia, no. What am I supposed to do here? Uh, I, we worked really hard, Jesus, to go to seminary. And it doesn't seem fair that you're not opening up a church for me to serve in. Felt like a prison. And I became aware of an opening at Philadelphia Church in Hammond. It's a church about our size, Hammond, Oregon, northwest corner in Oregon. And, uh, um, and I applied. And later, I heard one of the board members told me his statement to the rest of the board as they reviewed my application as a 27-year-old. This, here's what they said at the board meeting. Dan Mickelson has as much chance of making it here in this position as an ice cube does in hell. (laughs) So, he didn't tell me that at the time. They just said, thank you very much for the application. Well, we decided to not take it any further. So, I I sought God in the word. You know what the word I got was? Here's the word I got. Dan, do your very, very best to pastor another year of sixth grade at this Christian school. And I got peace about it and joy about it in the moment. Shortly after that, my friend John Lancaster I referred to before, pastor of Hawkinson, was called to be the senior pastor at Philadelphia Church in Hammond. And they told him he could have an associate go with him. So he called me, and Brandon and I joined them. And four years later, I was installed as the senior pastor. And we had seven good years there. And one of the amazing things that happened in that building prior to our... Um, years before that I heard about was uh, their beautiful fellowship hall. When they built their fellowship hall the wind kept blowing it down because it rained sideways 99% of the time there. Wind and rain. And they got a word from God. Some said, let's not build a fellowship hall. God's just saying, don't build a fellowship hall. It keeps blowing it down, walls. And someone rose up and said, I feel like I have a word from God. Let's build it twice as big. Let's make this sail that, that the wind hits and knocks down twice as big. Now, it's not logical, is it? But it was a word from the Lord. They did, and, the, and the, um, the fellowship hall became a beautiful, big fellowship hall that provided the basis 
for a Christian school that has been going for over 30 years. And I just found out is the biggest Christian school in that whole area and is thriving as a Christian school. And I helped get that started too, I have to say. Just, I just know you have your miracle stories. I have mine. They're replete in the Bible, all through the Bible. It's all about our connectedness to Jesus and living. Expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. And live as a prism. God wants to turn our prisons into prisms. Stand up. Cheryl Huckel, if you'd come forward with your ministry team for healing, any miracle you want to ask, have an agreement with, friends. Marty Peterson's prophetic team. Marty's not here today, but, they're, uh, but Mary and Jack will sub for her. If you want to stay after and receive an exciting prophetic word, stay after. That'll start in just a few minutes. And I want to remind our newcomers to sign up. How do you know if I'm a newcomer? Well, if you haven't been to a newcomer's class yet and you've been here 20 years, please sign up. I want you to come to the new. Okay. Put your hands on your heart. Would you say this after me? Jesus Christ, in his love and kindness, is turning my prisons into prisms to shine forth his beautiful light. Hooray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us. Have a great week.